Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. <laughs> so, so we've got uh, tonight, we're going to be concluding the book of Jonah, which I'm excited about. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a great journey, and so we're not quite done yet, but tonight we'll wrap that up. Um, and then we're going to take a week off. So next Wednesday, there's no service, right? We've, we've made that. And then now you're going to be doing a series, right, Val, on the gifts of the Spirit? Or is that where we're going with that? And so how many weeks is that going to be? Two weeks? Two weeks, and then we're going to take another break. And then is Barry coming in for the book of Luke, which I'm excited about that. So I'm super excited about that. So I, there's, there's a lot going on. So we've got a lot coming up, a lot going on. So I'm glad you guys have been faithful. There's only a faithful few. So I told uh, Joey earlier, like, now I know who's going to get raptured when the rapture comes. It's you. <laughs> <I'm> totally kidding. <laughs> totally kidding. So <laughs> almost, and I didn't come up with any more jokes. Uh, not, not many anyways. <laughs> I know we've really gone deep, you know, over these last few weeks, and it's hard for me to even fathom, you know, what Jonah went through. But the story certainly is no shallow story, and we've had one well of a time. Awesome. <laughs> and so uh, before we do conclude the book of Jonah and jump into it, I do want to just say a quick prayer. And so, Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to get together as your family and just dig into your word. And Lord, our prayer tonight is that we would just draw close to your heart, that we would know more about you and your heart and your desire, Lord, your desire for this world and to love the world. And Lord, we wanna be equipped uh, and empowered by you to, to do the things that you've called us to do. And Father, we just lift up those that are going through, uh, you know, the, the hurricane right now on the West Coast and even in Georgia and the Carolinas. And we just pray, uh, Lord, just your, your blessing over them right now. Lord, I just pray for your protection. I pray that you would just guard their homes, guard their uh, lives, Lord, and just... Um, yeah, just help the community to come together in this time of need uh, because there's gonna be that, Lord. And so we just leave that into your hands and just pray just your, your provision and your protection over yeah. those areas. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. Awesome. Sea dogs and sinners, how God's church connects with God's heart. So, so heart. And so we, you know, we've, this is our last part of Jonah. We've gone through quite a bit so far. And really remember the heart of going through the book of Jonah was not just to gain some knowledge about this historical figure named Jonah or to, to jump into this story because it's got a really cool big fish story, but it was really to, to, to glean from this story so that we might connect to God's heart. I mean, that was really the heart of why we went through this. And we saw Jonah's journey, and my hope is that we would learn from his journey so that we can now live out a better journey for the glory of God. And so we've seen quite a few things. We saw God's mercy. You know, one of the primary themes that runs through the book of Jonah is God's mercy on us and on them, on the sea dog and on the sinner alike. Um, and so we saw that throughout. Uh, another theme that we've seen throughout uh, in the book uh, so far was God's power and authority. He hurled a powerful wind over the sea. God stopped the storm. God arranged or prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. God ordered the fish to spit him out. Um, we've also seen God's determination to get his message out. Like he really has been determined to get his message out. And throughout the entire book, it's evident that God was, was not only determined to speak to the Ninevites, 
But he was determined to speak to the sailors, and he was determined to speak to Jonah as well. So not just the Ninevites. Um, we saw the need for repentance from sin. Didn't shy away from that at all. Shows us the need for repentance. Both the sailors and the Ninevites repented as well as Jonah. And then we saw the full assurance that God will relent when people do repent, which is such a beautiful story. It's actually why we're sitting here right now. And so because of God's relentless uh, pursuit of us and the fact that he has relented in his judgment on us. And so when God relents when there's true repentance. And he stopped the storm and the sailors feared God, offered sacrifice, vowed to serve him for the rest of their lives. You know, The Ninevites repented and God changed his mind. He didn't carry out the destruction that he had threatened. So in chapter one, we saw that God, Jonah saw God's call as an interruption and not an imitation. And that was one of his problems. In chapter two, we saw Jonah's cry for help. In chapter three, we saw God as a God of second chances, not only for Jonah, but also the city of Nineveh as they repent and he relents from destroying them. And so if there's one thing that, that bothers me, it's when I'm watching a movie or I'm reading a book and then you get to the very end and I'm notorious for picking out these movies. I have no idea why. But I'm like, oh, babe, that looks like a good one. And we watched it all the way through. And, and you're just like anticipating, anticipating, anticipating. And then it just leaves you hanging. And you're like, what kind of an ending was that? And you're just like let down because you're left on this cliffhanger. And you're like, oh, my gosh, or a series. And like, you know, they try to get you to watch the next uh, series that comes out, you know. And so, but they make you wait six months. And so they leave you hanging. I hate that. That's exactly the book of Jonah. That is exactly what's going to happen tonight. I just want to prepare you. That's exactly how the book of Jonah ends. In chapter three, the city of Nineveh repents and God relents. Now, if you ask me, that's a great place for the story to stop. I mean, victory, right? The city, I mean, they, they get saved. Uh, you know, I mean, Jonah preaches and had the best altar call ever. You know, 600,000 people is estimated that were in the city of Nineveh. And we'll go throughout that here in just a minute. Um, but I mean, that's, that's all. let's just end on that. But that's not how the book ends. There's a chapter four. Why? Because we have to remember the story isn't just about a massive storm. It's not just about a big fish and it's not just about a huge revival. God is going to use the storm, the fish and the revival to reveal something in Jonah's heart. And I'm hoping if there's anything in our heart that that would be revealed as well. And so the final chapter of Jonah shows us that we serve a God who patiently trains his people just as he patiently trained this prophet. And God's not looking to just call Jonah to be a prophet. No, he's looking for the heart and the love of his servant. God's not looking just to use us. No, he wants the affection of our hearts. And in the book of Mark, I love this. In the book of Mark, when Jesus called his disciples, right? And, and he, he's up on the mountaintop and he calls his disciples and he, he begins to tell them that they're going to be his apostles. This is what it says. He says, and he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired and they came to him and he appointed 12 whom he also named apostles. And here it is, so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach. First, Jesus calls them to be with him and then he sends them. And why? Because when we are with him, our hearts begin to be transformed. We begin to see things the way God sees them. We begin to not only do what God has called us to, but we also have a love in our heart for the people that God has called us to. 
And so I want you to notice with me in Jonah chapter four in verses one through three, I wanna read this to you first, uh, how Jonah really didn't have love in his heart to those that he was called to. In Jonah chapter uh, four, excuse me, verses one through three, it says, this change of plans greatly upset Jonah and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Okay, pity party. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? This is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry, excuse me, and filled with unfailing love. You are eager I love that. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if I, what I predicted will happen. So, I mean, just crazy when you think about this. So, we, so again, we see the real reason that Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh, right? Now, now maybe, you know, Jonah was scared of the Ninevites because they were pretty, you know, ferocious and had this reputation. And maybe he just didn't want to be known as the, the prophet, you know, that went and actually preached the gospel to him and they got saved. And when he goes back home, they're like, what kind of, are you kidding me? You did what to the Ninevites? You know, maybe he didn't want that. But the real reason we know for sure is that he knew God was a God of mercy and would relent if he went out and preached the gospel to them. Mm. 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 And so I want you, do you hear the anger and the passion that was in Jonah's voice? Now, you'd think, now th- you'd think that this would be the greatest highlight of his ministry. It would be for me, right? Like I would be coming back and be like, oh, Pastor Rod, you're never gonna believe this. I went over to Nina, 600,000 people altar call. I swear, I'm not even lying. They all came up and just, I'm like, wow, Lord, you did this amazing revival outpouring of your Holy Spirit like crazy. I would be excited, but Jonah's not. <laughs> just the opposite. <laughs> and so it's kind of a bummer uh, that chapter four exists, but it does for good reason. And so Jonah's ready to die because he's so angry. And the Bible does talk about a righteous anger, doesn't it? Like we know that Moses took that golden calf and he destroyed it into little bitty pieces out of anger. That's a righteous anger. What are you doing? Why are you doing this, guys? We know that uh, Jesus had a righteous anger. Remember when Jesus walked up to the temple and he saw that they were, you know, taking advantage of the people of God and the house of God, and he just starts flipping over tables. It says that he literally fashioned a whip, which meant that that took a little bit of time and, you know, like, okay, I'm about to do this. And he fashions a whip and goes in there and, and, and just with that righteous anger. And the book of Ephesians chapter 4, 26 says, be angry and do not sin. Now, Jonah's anger, uh, not so much a righteous anger. Uh, his anger wasn't a godly anger. It was a worldly, carnal, fleshly anger. And when it gets a hold of it heart, his heart, it begins to literally destroy him from the inside out. And he's not seeing the people of Nineveh as God sees them. He's not fully surrendered his heart to God just yet. So yeah, he's got this episode that happens in the belly of a fish. And so that was awesome. And God used that in his life. But now he's back to ground zero, so to speak. How did we get back here? I thought we resolved this in the belly of the fish, Jonah. Like, and we're hard-headed people, aren't we? Sometimes it takes us a, a, a lot of things to go through to teach us the lesson that God wants to teach us. And so here Jonah finds himself in the same place he was before. He doesn't believe that the people of God should experience the mercy of God. And listen, if there's any area of our lives where we're not fully surrendered to God, the devil will use it to destroy us. 
That same verse in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. Remember, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil because the devil will use our lack of surrender for our destruction. It was A.W. Tozer that made this comment. He says, a church is as great as its conception of God. What we believe about God, truly believe about God. And what we believe about God is important, but if our beliefs don't travel down to our heart, our conception of God is going to be off. And Jonah has great theology, right? He's quoting scripture. He's quoting uh, Exodus chapter 34, verse six, you know, but, he, but, but in Jonah's mind, he, he doesn't yet have his heart given to God. God's got his mind theologically, but he hasn't got his heart practically. And that's what God is looking for. True belief always results in the willing submission to God and joyful obedience to his calling. And so Jonah was willing to live with the huge chasm, listen, between the truth that he declared and how he chose to live. And there was a big chasm there and it manifested itself in anger. And so here Jonah finds himself angry. And what are the results of the anger? Well, let's read on in chapter four, verse starting in verse four. It says, the Lord replied with the question. I love it. Is it right for you to be angry about this? Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under it as he waited to see what would happen to the city. Wow. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so, so 4, 4, verse 4 could literally read like this. Is it right for you to be angry because of well-doing? Or, or in other words, because I've done something good, should that make you angry? This is what God asked him. And, and I love how God asks questions, right? I love how God does that. But the results of, of Jonah's anger is that he leaves the city, right? And we're not told anywhere in scripture that God told Jonah to leave the city, but he leaves the city and because of his anger and because of his pity partner, he leaves his ministry that God had called him to. He could have been there discipling the, the nation right there, the city of Nineveh, you know, telling them, hey, our God is a merciful God. He, he's, he's slow to anger and his loving kindness endures forever. I mean, he could have been teaching the Ninevites who his true God is, but he chose to bounce and leave the city of Nineveh. Deep down, Jonah hoped, as he sat there, he literally hoped that God would relent from his relenting and rain down judgment on the people of Nineveh. And, and, and it's funny, you know, like Jonah, he's, he's trying to provoke a response from God. And I thought about this, like how many times my kids have tried to provoke a response from me by getting angry. <laughs> and, and I try not to laugh, like, because I'm... I'm I'm not changing my mind. I don't care how angry you get. I'm not changing my mind. And that's exactly what Jonah's doing. He's acting like a little kid. He's acting like a, he's throwing a little tantrum, whatever it is, pity party. Yeah, tantrum. Um, he's going there. But, so I, but I love how but Jonah disengages himself and he just sits kind of on the sidelines. But then God asked him a question. God doesn't give up on Jonah. Like he's there in it to, to, to help Jonah. This is why chapter four exists. And so he begins to ask him a question. And I love how God, you know, all the way from the very beginning, you remember God in the garden of Eden? Adam, where, where are you? Who, who told you you were naked? What, what have you done? 
You know, I, I love that. Wait, wait, he sends the prophet, you know, Nathan to David and, and, and he tells, you know, uh, why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You know, David had cheated on, you know, with Bathsheba and killed Uriah and tried to cover the whole thing up. And now God is coming to speak to David. And he asks him a question. Why did you do this? Where's your brother Abel? <laughs> his blood is crying out to me. Where's he at? Ah. Or, or who do you say that I am? He says to Peter in Matthew 16, right? Uh, are you betraying the son of man with a kiss? He says to Judas in Luke 22. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why does God ask these questions? Because he's trying to reveal something that's in our heart. He's trying to get it out. He's trying to reveal something that's there. God loves to ask questions. And remember, God looks at the heart of man, not just the outward appearance. He's looking at the inside. And so he asked Jonah a question because he wants to reveal to Jonah his own heart, but also the very heart of God he wants to reveal to Jonah. And so how does God deal with Jonah? Well, we read in verse six, it says, and the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. And this eased his discomfort. And Jonah was very grateful, very grateful for the plant. And so Jonah camps out on the east side, hoping and waiting to see if God's going to take these guys out in anger. And yet God blesses him anyways. That just sounds just like our God, but he, God blesses them anyways. And living in Florida, we know shade is important. Like it's hot in the months of July and August. And so we're looking for shade. So we can definitely understand why Jonah was very grateful for this plant. But keep in mind, he's mad at the Lord. He's angry at the Lord. And yet he is more than willing to receive a blessing from God, even when he's angry with the Lord. And Jonah's the one that, that took off to the east. Jonah's the one that got ungodly anger, yet he has no problem receiving the mercy of God. But no, you're, you can't show the mercy of God over there. But I'll receive the mercy of God. Thank you. That, awesome, thank you. So from Jonah's perspective, this little plant <laughs> was about the only thing in life that really mattered and had meaning and purpose. And so he's stuck in a place that he didn't want to be with the people that he didn't want to associate with, but at least he's got this little plant of his. <laughs> and so what does God do? Uh, I love uh, verse seven and eight. God's going to do something here. So verse seven, he says, but God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun deep beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. So there he is again. I want to die again. You took my little plant. <laughs> and, and maybe you're thinking like, why is God doing this? Like, it looks like he's just being mean at this point, right? But I mean, Jonah didn't, didn't, did what he was supposed to do. I mean, God told him to go preach, the, preach to the Ninevites, the judgment that was going to come. And Jonah was faithful to do that eventually after God got a hold of his heart. But get this, this is so important. The mission of Jonah might be accomplished, but the man is unfinished. The mission of Jonah was accomplished, but the man was unfinished. And listen, in God's economy, the condition of the worker is just as important as the work itself. 
And God sees there's more work to be done, not through Jonah, but in Jonah. And I mean, if, if getting the job done was all that God you know, wanted to do, he could have found a better preacher. I mean, surely there, there's, there could have been somebody better. I mean, if God was so results-oriented, he could have just found someone better or he could have just done it himself. Or he could have just straight up, you know, I mean, he's not obligated to use us, right, at all. He could have literally just put some Dr. Doolittle, you know, voodoo on it or whatever, I don't know, and had an animal go tell, you know, the city of Nineveh to repent. He could have done it. I mean, we know that he spoke to a, a prophet who needed to be rebuked and he did that through a donkey. <laughs> I mean, it's possible God could have sent angels. He could have used rocks. He could have used mountains. And so why does God choose to use us? And it's because he loves our involvement. He knows that when we step out to do great things for him, we get changed in the process. And God's not using a plant illustration to show Jonah he needs to accomplish the mission. He's using the plant illustration as a process of preparation. And I want you to see this. In, in verse six, it says God arranged. In verse seven, it also says God arranged. Now these, th this word could literally be translated and some of your translations actually read prepared. Prepared. God is actually preparing. In verse six, God used the word prepare. In verse six, God prepared a plant. In verse seven, God prepared a worm. In verse eight, God prepared a wind. In verse 17 of chapter one, the Lord prepared a great fish. Weather, wind, worm, why? Because the worker. Because the worker. Because the worker. Because God wants to use these things to prepare the worker. First Corinthians 2, 9, this is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. God has something prepared for us. Yeah. He's literally got something prepared for us. But in order for us to experience the things that God has prepared for us, he has something he needs to prepare in us. And that's what he's doing for Jonah. Ephesians 2 says that we are God's workmanship. And that Greek word literally means poema. It's, it's translated poema. And it literally means like to write a beautiful poem or, or a sculpture, a work of art. And how do you create a sculpture? Well, you take it and you begin to chip away at the stone. And by the chipping away of the stone, this beautiful piece of art is created. And that's us. We are God's poema. God's workmanship. Proverbs 20, 30 says, blows that hurt cleanse away evil as do stripes the inner depths of the heart. There's, those are difficult words. There's challenging times that we go through. Jonah went some, through some really challenging times here. Why? Because there's things that God uses to prepare us for what he's called us to do. And what does that look like for you and me? It's different not the same for you and me. It's different. He may do one thing in your life and he may do another thing in my life. It's different. Paul went away for like 10 years to Arabia. Why? So God could minister to him and prepare him for the call that he had to go to the cities that he's calling him to. 10 years he spent in Arabia to be prepared for that. Moses, he went from a basket to a booming voice. <laughs> 40 years he had to wait in the wilderness as he ran, right? To be prepared to lead the nation of Israel out of the Egypt and on their way to the promised land. Joseph served in a prison sentence for, for something he never did, something he never did. And yet God, it says, use those moments, what you meant for evil. 
God meant for good. God used those times to prepare him for what he called him to do. And Jonah, well, we've seen his process. God is using those moments to prepare us. In Jonah chapter four, verses nine through 11, this is where we're gonna conclude tonight, but it says, then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? (laughs) Are you really angry because I took your plant? Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. In verse 10, then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly, but Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in it in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? And there it ends. God asks him a question and it just ends like a cliffhanger. Like, how does Jonah respond? Is, is, does Jonah finally get the point? Like, does he have to go through another storm? Does he have to go through another episode to learn? Like, what's going on? And we're left hanging there. Now, it says there's 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness. And that, that phrase, spiritual darkness, could be translated uh, people who don't know their right hand from their left hand. And many theologians and commentators say that's actually speaking about children who don't have the concept to know between right and wrong just yet. They haven't gotten old enough to learn those concepts. So they don't know their left hand between their right hand. And it's used throughout scripture to mean that, you know, they, they, don't, they don't know right or wrong. And so we're, we're assuming here, and some translations translated a little different where it's almost like little ones or young ones to where, okay, now we've got 120,000 young people. And so that must mean there's a greater population, which is why a lot of uh, theologians and commentators believe there's about 600,000 people in that city. And so I've been using the, the, the number 600,000 and I just kind of wanted to explain to you where I'm getting that from um, because you see right here 120,000 uh, people who don't know their right hand from their left hand. But God is asking a question that lingers on. Now, why? Because I believe it's a question that needs to linger our way. What is it that's holding you back from having a passion for people? That's literally what he, I really shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? And God is saying, I love people and shouldn't I have pity on people? And Jonah found his pleasure in the plant and it took God taking that away for him to realize that he should figure out that he should put his source of joy in something else, something bigger, maybe something that would last. And there's two things that I see in this. We should put our joy in something that will last. When we die, what are we taking with us? Absolutely nothing except the people that we preach the gospel to. Let's have a passion. Let's have a joy for the people that we can preach the gospel to and let's bring them with us to heaven. That's number one. And number two, people are the most and more important than any possession that's out there. People are more important than any possession that are out there. We are people who are willing to sacrifice people for possessions. We're willing to to throw away relationships for things that will find their way to junkyards in a matter of a couple of years. Possessions are not more important than people. And God points this out to Jonah. Jonah is all sad. Why? Because a grub killed his shrub. God is like, hold on just a second. You don't mind that 120,000 babies almost just got killed. And on top of that, we're animals. And so you don't mind that 120,000 babies, some animals and close to 600,000 people were about to get killed, but you're concerned about your little shrub. Hmm. Sounds like you got some issues. 
<laughs> Tree hugger. There you go. I like it. The book ends there. And it's a bit of a cliffhanger, but it's because God wants Jonah to be moved with compassion. God wants his people to have a passion for the loss. And Jonah's learned that the door of forgiveness is opened to all. And who are we to say who can walk in and who's not allowed to walk in? And Jonah took that and he didn't get that. God says, no, but let me, let me teach you because I'm a loving God. Let me teach you this lesson, Jonah. You don't get that. I'm the God of mercy. I'm the God of forgiveness. I'm the God that's forgiven you. And if there's ever a time, church, as God's church, we really need to learn how to connect with God's heart. There's a lot of stuff going on. I know you guys know this. There's a lot of stuff going on right now in the world. And how much is God calling us to go and just declare the love of Christ? And we get that opportunity. We get that opportunity. And I know there's, there's, there's things that people do that, that, just really bother us. And it's hard for us to get over that, but we've got to learn how to get over that because they deserve the mercy of God just as much as we deserved the mercy of God. God desires that none should perish. That is the very heart of God. And that's what he's trying to get across to Jonah. And I'm hoping that somehow as a church that we can connect with that and we can be a church who's known not for standing up and, and, and you know, I don't know, protesting this or that. I mean, there's places for that, don't get me wrong, but, but that we would be a church known for the love of Christ. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the book of Revelation, all those churches had a reputation for something, right? Oh, I, I've heard about your good works but you've left your first love. What's our reputation? What is the reputation of coastal family? I want it to be, man, that church, they are just show the love of Christ. I don't know what it is about them, but there's just such the love of Christ. They are so loving. Like, oh, have we not done our jobs? If that's the reputation that we have. May that be for us. And I'm hoping as we've gone through journey, through Jonah, that we have learned that at least, <laughs> that God is a God of mercy. And so I just want to spend a little bit of time. We, we've only, I've only spent maybe 35 minutes this time, uh, which, is, which is perfectly fine. That's, about, uh, that's more than our attention span, actually. Uh, but we've gone through the book of Jonah. We've made it. But l- allow this to be a staple of who we are. L- let this sink in. Read the book of Jonah. Pray through this. Let's do this together. Let's be a church that goes out and loves our community like Christ has called us to love our community. And so, Father, we just humbly come before you. And Lord, I admit, I repent, I know my heart sometimes just goes sideways. And sometimes I don't think people deserve your mercy as if somehow I earned it. But I thank you for reminding me of who you are. A God of mercy, slow to anger, gracious. And so, Father, I just pray that as we've seen that throughout these last three weeks, that you would begin to just uh, impress that upon our hearts. Just impress that upon our hearts. Teach us what it looks like to love on our community with real, true, authentic love. Teach us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Yeah.